G'day, Darren Mitchell here, and welcome back to another episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Coming to you with another brand new interview. Somebody slightly left of field had the privilege today of speaking to Ilya Donati, who is not your typical corporate person. In fact, he's not corporate at all. Ilya is a personal dining chef, a personal chef, and he creates dining experiences for groups. And he started off with a two-people dinner and has gone on to deliver uh, and he talks about this in the podcast, hundreds and hundreds of five-star reviews. So sit back. It's not your typical sales conversation, but it does have a lot of sales themes weaved throughout. So, And if you'd like to connect with Ilya, find out a little bit more about what he does, then uh, please stay to the end, but also check out these show notes. So I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. So uh, without further ado, let's get straight in to the episode. Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on a beautiful Friday, which is very unusual for this time of year in Melbourne. And today, a very special guest, uh, well, also a Melbourneite, although he, was, he wasn't originally from Melbourne, Mr. Ilya Donati. How are you, my friend? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. That's, um, it's a pleasure to have you on the, on the podcast. I know you and I had a bit of a chat on Monday, and uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different sort of slant because I'm used to just just full disclosure here I'm used to talking to sales leaders uh, in corporate organizations uh, talking about all things strategy and all that sort of stuff around sales and sales leadership but uh, you've got a completely different background and what intrigues me about you is that um, there's a lot of parallels between what you do and what sales people do um, but without me giving too much away I'm going to ask you a question about your background but for the listeners already, just a bit of a bit of a background here. Ilya is a personal chef, and that is does personal chef are dining experiences in people's homes, and uh, has been in Australia for about is it right about ten years now? Yes, almost ten years. Yeah, so um, we're going to explore a lot of stuff. And guys, if you're listening to this and you're interested in cooking and learning the finer skills of getting better as a chef at home then uh, please, please stay tuned because there's some stuff towards the back end of today's conversation that Ilya is going to share with us around a course he's building, which is very, very exciting. So as we kick off, I'd love to give you get you to give us a bit of a background in terms of the Ilya story, um, where you grew up, where you, where you came from, and what brought you to Australia. Yes, so um, I, I grew up in an area that is um, called Ribano, and um, there's a beautiful, beautiful castle um, that is all surrounded by uh, vineyards. So for the Melburnians, uh, sort of uh, like Mornington Peninsula sort of style. And um, so I was surrounded by nature. So I got to play around with uh, actually outside. <laughs> Not much video games when I, when I was a kid. And there was only one uh, friend of mine 
around me. So <clears throat> I guess naturally you put a little bit more attention onto what happens around you. And uh, uh, obviously being born in Italy, um, everybody knows that uh, the family, the nonna, the mama, they cook all the time. So I was definitely in that environment. But if you look at my family, I've got two brothers and um, yes, one is a pizza maker. Uh, but it's a bit different from uh, being a chef and the other one has, is a graphic design web designer so there's nothing um really uh, like me so maybe it was me that I was looking at food and how they were doing things in a in a more in a different way with a different eye if that makes sense yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in my 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 uh, dad had a company that started as a plumber and um, the first time I went with him I was uh, 13 years old and that's when I um, walked into the working world <laughs> and I saw what it was like yeah and at that at that age Thithi, what was the impression in terms of um your future, do you think, wow, this is, well, this is something I think I could do, or this is something, hey, I'm not going to do this? <laughs> yeah, so obviously, um, <clears throat> until you actually try to do a job as a job, uh, you don't know if you're going to be able to do it. Mm. I've seen uh, later on in life, a lot of people dropping out on on cooking or <clears throat> changing career just because it gets uh, too different, too difficult, too frenetic, too stressful, too... It's a very particular job, mm. <laughs> working in a restaurant. Uh, the pressure is really high. The temperature is really high. <laughs> and uh, you have to be uh, fast and good. Um, I know uh, there's a lot of books out there that tells you also that it's impossible, but that's all you do every single day. You try to be fast and good. <laughs> and because the expectation abilities. Because you get yeah, the expectation is is very high, very yeah. very high. And um, I I I've learned that uh, it's it's all about consistency. I've I've had now we fast forwarding a little bit, but I've had um, a few conversations with chefs that work or worked in fine dining. And I said, what does make fine dining? Oh, it's the consistency, like mm -hmm. every single time, every single dish is super perfect super perfect there's not one day you're pissed off one day you're down one day this one day, that doesn't matter when you enter there you need to make perfection yeah. so yeah <clears throat> which is yeah which is fascinating so your love your love for cooking was it around your nonna and your mother and others that were cooking yeah. all the time that, that got that invite i guess the passion for cooking yeah, absolutely. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents as well, which uh, lucky for me, they're all still alive. Um, my on my dad's side, um, they were more into um, homemade meals, homemade, just cooking at home, every single thing. And uh, uh, they had hands. Um, they had tomato vines, all the you know the Italian cliche things that. They had them. 
<laughs> and, and the wine as well. <laughs> and the uh, wine. Yeah, of course. The wine, the wine, absolutely. My nun offering me wine and my mom realizing it, that I was only 10 years old. Don't give me wine, this sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, ah, don't worry, I water it down. <laughs> it's like a juice. And uh, my mom's side, uh, yes, they were cooking a lot, but it was more like, for example, let's buy the pasta handmade from the shop. Mm. It's still handmade. It just wasn't her making it. They, they lived the life a little bit more, um, you know, let's be a little bit more comfortable rather than mm. making actual pasta and every single ingredient from scratch. Got it, just, got it. Yeah. And what? And you came to Australia in 2013. What? What brought you to Australia? Um, yeah. So um, before coming to Australia, I've done pretty much everything but cooking professionally. Um, I've I've only worked professionally for a few months before coming here, and I was only about 20, 21, so I was pretty young anyway, and. Um, you know, to to talk about uh, what what I did before was I stepped into the working world, like I said before, with my dad's co- company and right next to him, and he's the one that taught me how to um, call people, how to call call people, how to call warm leads how to you know keep going when you've called 50 people and uh, they're still uh, uh, hanging up on you all these <laughs> skills i had them already yeah and um and uh, but i felt like to answer your question i felt like i didn't really have uh, I, I wasn't following something i i liked and yeah. uh, uh, as a natural process i got here not speaking any English, um, I just had to, to do something with my hands, uh, apart from using them when I talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and so I said, well, um, my technique was go drop a resume, and then when they call back, say that you can't hear what they're saying and ask for a message. That was how bad my English was. Right. So they would yeah. message me the address. For me, it was impossible to even capture the name of the restaurant or the address, not even think about it. So um, I had to cook because that's what I knew how to do. And uh, I did not do anything else. I, I I just stick to it the whole time, all the way up until now. And um and, uh, yeah, my, my journey started in Sydney with uh, a charcoal charcoal chicken, actually. Wow. <laughs> yeah, in Rose Bay. Wow. Okay, charcoal chicken. So, it, um, and how how creative could you be there? Was it just basically just charcoal and chicken <laughs> as a take? <laughs> was it a takeaway? Was it a restaurant? Uh it was yeah, more like a takeaway sort of thing yeah you go and you get your chicken but they were asian and um, i've always been especially coming out of a city that is not multicultural like milan or rome and even then milan or rome they're nowhere near as multicultural as melbourne or sydney yeah 
Um, having said that, coming out of a small city that has nothing but Italian food, literally. Now you go back, there's some sushi places and that's it. <laughs> um, um, so I was very intrigued by watching these Asian people cooking with new ingredients, mm. new techniques, new everything. I was like, what are you even doing? And like, why your rice tastes so different? And, and I was very intrigued. So I learned, um, some basics, um, of, of that. Um, I learned how to roast chickens <laughs> and uh, I, I started, yeah, my, my journey it didn't, didn't stay there for long. It was only a few months to then go to an American restaurant. Yeah. And I learned there, I was mainly washing dishes. So very humble beginning, <laughs> but again with a with an eye on food like that was giving me the perfect spot in the kitchen to see yeah. what was going on in every section so i could see dockets coming through and the the deep fry going that way and the, that coming out of the oven and that coming out of the stove and i i was starting to put together a picture of, on how it is uh, they would let me do some basic ingredients. I made uh, 20 liters of barbecue sauce and I stuffed it up. Um, <laughs> I did not get fired for that. <laughs> I did not get fired for that. But uh, then at the time it was me and my ex and one of the reasons why we wanted to come was to travel yeah. uh, Australia in a van. And um, so we did bought a van and we traveled for a month, a month and a half all the way up to um uh, down to melbourne actually and mm -hmm. then again uh, through the country and then from the coast of sydney we went up to uh, gold coast so i lived there and i made, i did some pizza there as well <clears throat> yeah well so in the early days i mean I'd, an obvious question i've got there is did you end up having to do like an apprenticeship or was it just learning from restaurant to restaurant to refine your skills yeah, I, 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 I have none, no such a thing. I just went and worked at a restaurant. Wow. Yeah, I just, yeah. When I learned and I've only done my certificate in hospitality management uh, in 2016, I think okay. I completed it. So yeah. later on, and that was mainly for the paper i i had learned all the basic skills they were teaching me at school by then so okay. uh, it okay. wasn't very very helpful yeah because um, you said you said a couple of interesting things uh certainly when you're working at your dad's company you talked about having to make heaps of calls and cold calls and and warm leads and stuff like that i'm intrigued that You've you've often taken a chance and said, "I want to go to Australia. I want to I want to pursue a passion." And that's a key thing with anything we do. You've got to be passionate about what you do, and through that, you'll build the competency and the skill set that's required to be successful. I'm really intrigued, though, Ilya, with the people who were around you at that time. Were they encouraging you, or were they saying, "Mate, what are you doing? Why are you going to the other side of the world when you can have a perfect life here in Italy?" Because there's a lot of people that'll be listening to this to say, "Hey." 
um, I want to get into sales or in sales. And people are saying, why are you in sales? We don't, we don't trust you. Salespeople are not good people, et cetera, et cetera. So you've got to have a good support network around you. How is the support network for you? Yeah, uh, I think uh, uh, the support around you is everything, everything that you need, absolutely everything. So in the early days, I did have uh, a good influence with my dad, you know, being very present and my mom being very supportive. In in the days where I was um, uh, coming here, the beginning of my journey here then, um, I had a bit of both. Um, my granddads were obviously saying, no, just stay here. We'll make you work. We'll find you a better job with this. And, and they did actually two years after one year after I was here, I went back and they found me a job. It just didn't work. Yeah. Um, but I, <clears throat> I say that if my dad and mom didn't help me, uh, psychologically, um, that much uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't have a passport today i don't think so i wouldn't be here like i i rely on them every single day and um, if they were putting me down i don't think i would have done it because one thing is your friend one thing is someone you know but another thing is your your mom and dad like yeah. they have at least for me, the biggest influence. So yeah. that was that was very very important. Um, but later on, then with my business, things have changed. You know, I didn't have my mom sitting next <laughs> to me and saying you can do it and all these sort of things. So if I um, may go into it. Um, well, I was going to ask you the because the, the, the importance there is the people that you surround yourself with is critical, right? And making sure that you have good people and not people who are going to tear you down, people who will challenge you, people who will actually give you good, in some cases, unfiltered feedback, but it's designed to yeah. help you rather than criticize you. Because there are some yeah. people who have people around them that want to keep them close to them so that they can feel better about themselves. And it's not necessarily helping helping you. So I'm really curious then is in terms of the catalyst because what what you do now is let's just let's just say it's not it's not common is it No so what 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 took you from working in a charcoal chicken place then to an american restaurant and then the the journey ahead to now uh starting to you know cook for people and you're saying just before we jumped on you got and for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, um, Ilya's got this beautiful, very professional-looking and tight-fitting. Shows the guns out, which is which is awesome. Um, <laughs> chef's chef, what do you call it? is a chef's jacket? Is there a name for it? Yeah, yeah, it's a chef's jacket. It's chef's jacket. Uh, it's they they are supposed to made of a material that doesn't catch on fire easily. Okay, and there's a double. Uh, there's a. Uh, there's an overlap at the at the front yeah. because of the heat. It protects you from the heat, and when you go in the cool room repetitive times in a day, it protects, it, it protects you from getting cold in your chest. Nice, nice. Because you're saying you've got about 15 of those because when you're yeah. doing six to eight gigs a week, you don't have time yeah. to get them washed. <laughs> well, I've got time, but they don't dry as quick. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not in Melbourne, that's for sure. <laughs> Unless yeah, you're in the middle of the summer. It. 
Exactly. Yeah. Even so, in summer. Even in summer. Absolutely. So I'm really curious. What was the because uh, I always ask people, you know, what got you into this? What was the niche? What was the what was the market telling you that said, hey, there's a there's a gap here in the market that I think I can mm. fill? Um, mm. yeah. What was that process like? Because I know from a selling point of view, we always talk about the fact that look for a gap in the market. Look at look at a problem that exists in the marketplace and create a solution that might solve that problem. And you actually have a really good opportunity of, of making an impact. So what was it for you that you yeah, saw? So you, you, you have to be <clears throat> congruent with your skills and what you like to do, especially if you're going to do it yourself. You have to be genuine. So having said that, uh, then you need to find, like you said, a gap in the market. And um, if you can find... Uh, a way that it's different and you don't go to war with your uh, competitors, then that definitely is a win. But everyone knows all this stuff. What um, what I think differentiated the process for me, it's when I realized that everyone cooks, so there's no way I'm going to be different. But it's me who makes it different. Yeah. So uh, being a personal chef gives me a platform to be able to uh, shine and be me. And and uh, you'll find the people that want you to be you. Mm. You'll, just, you'll just find them. But um, in order to find them, especially in 2023, um, you need to be exposed to all the social networks, all those platforms. So you need to be unshy yourself <laughs> and uh, and uh, walk out of the comfort zone. I, I've learned that uh, early days with my dad, and it was very unpleasant to walk out of the comfort zone, but I do it every single day now that I own a company. So it becomes a little bit easier <laughs> when you do it every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it becomes less uncomfortable. You probably never enjoy. Like I, I talk to a lot of people who do lots of cold calling, and they don't they don't actually get to learn to enjoy it, but they get to tolerate it because it's a necessary. Some some would say a necessary evil to get an outcome, but it's a process you have to go through in order to build build awareness and and become a little bit more competent at it. I find that what works very well with me when I structure my phone calls, obviously, you need to structure. You can't just call someone and say, hey, this is uh, my service. So do you want it? Um, <laughs> well, some way, do. <laughs> yeah, yes. Of, of course, you get those super warm leads, super hot leads, and you just close them. But um the process for the other ones uh, for me is first uh, um in a, in a 10 minutes phone call it's first to create even more of a need than they have because obviously if they called you they're looking for um some sort of cooking yeah. not 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 laundry services so um <clears throat> at least from me um so um uh, what I was saying is I, I, I create more of a need. I Because um, sometimes I find that the objections I get uh, in my sales call are very, very, very much uh, related to the fact that I have not done a good job in educating them 
um, on uh, what my service will be like, will be uh, giving them how they will benefit from it. If I do a really good job, I take my time, I say the right words, I have got the right sales posture, I've got the right tone of voice, not too high pitch, not too fast, mm -hmm. not too slow. I, you have to be sensitive to the customer as well. Sometimes you feel like they don't have time, you can't be super slow, otherwise they get annoyed. Um, if I do that very well, then it's uh, it's pretty easy because once you've created the need, then they're on the phone with who's going to give them uh, the solution for the need that they now have. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, because they might never had a personal chef and they might not know that we clean up everything that we've used at the end. We only leave the wine glasses, if you want, on the table, if you're still drinking or the scotch or whatever you're drinking and everything else is sparkling clean. And, you know, I've just created um, a new perspective, a new need. It's like, oh, if you even do that, then I'm definitely interested because mm. especially at the end of the night, I don't want to be doing any work. So... I find that works uh, very well for me. Nice, because I'd love to delve into that in a little bit more detail shortly in terms of that process you go through. But going back a step in terms of establishing the personal chefing business, what were what were some of the early challenges that you had, given that there are probably not a lot of people, certainly in this marketplace, that are used to having somebody come into their home and doing this, right? So how... Was it almost a case of, I'm just going to get out there and talk to people? Uh, you said before uh, social media and putting yourself out there, but um, what were some of the early challenges that you had to deal with in order to get yourself to a point where you're starting to develop some momentum? Yes. Yeah, so at the very beginning, um, the challenges were to get known. And the, the way I did I, is I got subscribed to some of the uh, lead generation, personal chef lead generation websites that are out there. Um, and then I, I then realized that they were taking a cut and uh, it's it's normal because they lead generation. <laughs> Otherwise, you have to do it yourself. So uh, I've... I've just used it to learn a little bit the process to test out the idea. And uh, the challenge was nobody taught me how to do it. I I just did it the way I thought was right. And I started getting feedbacks. I started seeing that it would work. And so I kept doing it that way. Uh, the way I thought was, um, you know, good enough. And... And uh, there's always a lot of tweaking, tweaking changes uh, along the way. Um, and um, I mean, there's a lot of challenges because then you start building it yourself and then you start finding yourself needing to build a website. And with the website, needs to be able to capture the attention. And then the website, if it doesn't have any SEO, it's, uh, it's I don't know, uh, it's a carrot in the ocean. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's no way to be found. Um, so all of these things, even making making the call with the customer was very hard. It was like, 
at the beginning, I felt a lot of imposter syndrome because I thought, okay, well, I'm going to have to charge this much because otherwise it's not worth me doing it between the ingredients, the time, the traveling and everything and the experience. But I think it's a lot. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would pay for that. You know what I mean? Those internal conversations that does, don't, don't help you with sale posture at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, you know, you start building up this skill where you like your sales posture become a lot stronger, uh, not because <clears throat> of you becoming uh, any anything bad. Just um, you, you need to come across the right way because what you do is not is it, it, there's nothing wrong. You're just basically selling your service at the right price you just need to make sure the way you speak is congruent and you can explain it the right way yeah. that was that was a big challenge for me and, and thinking I, everyone can do this but then you learn not really no no absolutely and how long did it because i'm interested in exploring your very first personal chef dinner engagement mm. that you did and how that went but um, before we before we delve into that, how long did it take you? And are you still in the process of dealing with this imposter syndrome? Because a lot of people have it, imposter syndrome. And and um, how have you evolved over time? And is it is it still is it still there, or you've pretty much got it covered now? Um, once you go from uh, playing around to uh, um, having an ABN and doing things properly to then uh, opening a company on your name trust and all of the works and uh, you see how hard it is to make you work all year round especially with a business that has a lot of up and downs yeah um then the imposter syndrome very naturally fades yeah very very naturally um goes away <laughs> because it's very hard so yeah. you realize that uh, not many other people would do that yeah, absolutely. Like in, in absolutely. they, it's about um, it's about taking the um, deciding uh, and committing to that. Uh, if you have, I know it's a bit of a cliche, late nights and uh, blah blah, all that weekends working, it just becomes a bit of a blend, a bit of a blend in between a bit of work late, a bit of weekends here and there, but you, you've you got to enjoy the process because, uh, for example, for me, it gave me a lot of freedom. Like yeah. I could choose what to do with my time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you learn to get better at the task of what you're doing. You get better at your, at your craft. And through mm -hmm. that natural process your confidence starts to develop, your competency continues to develop, and naturally the imposter syndrome starts to dissipate. Not well, to say you ever get ahead of yourself to say, hey, I'm the world's greatest chef, but you, you, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but my experience is the more you get really competent at a task or at a, at a discipline, you start to get confidence in yourself 
but you're never satisfied because there's always another level to get to. But it's not an imposter syndrome, so you're not pretending to be somebody you're not. Exactly. I was going to say that. There's a fine line. It's not an imposter syndrome. And sometimes... I sometimes I need uh, I've got my mentors I've got my groups of people that are that you you've got to meet people that think and act like you and yeah. uh, and be and change your uh, circle of influence yeah. um <clears throat> and uh, but sometimes they tell me like you've got to be a bit more confident because this is f good <laughs> it's really good <laughs> like it, it, you, it's amazing like what are you worried about you're not perfect and then just the other week something switched um and i thought oh we're like lawyers because i was talking to a friend <laughs> of mine that is a lawyer i like i i explain what i mean so um, i like smoking cigar and drinking whiskey so we cut up at a club here in melbourne and uh, and this this guy was talking and he's a lawyer and they were asking him something and it's like man i'm not a criminal lawyer i have no idea what you're talking about and and that's the sweetest like that and i thought i'm not an everything chef so next time i feel bad because uh someone tells me oh you don't know how to cook that yeah are you even a chef no I just don't know how to cook that because I cannot know everything, every cuisine in the world. I don't know how to cook Russian. I have no idea. And I've got very, very basic skills of Japanese food. I can put on a really good night, but my customers know if they choose me, they get those things. We cannot go crazy because I just don't know. And that's, and that's okay. And that and that's exactly that's exactly exactly the point because you're in your genius zone. So you know what you're really good at and you hone in on that and become really, really good at that and not pretend to be anything else outside of that. So, you know, you said before you don't you don't know how to cook Russian food. Well, people who are looking for Russian food probably won't select you to do a personal in dining in-house dining experience. And that's that's okay because you'll start to attract the customers who are going to be a match for what you provide. Yeah, you said so, the right, you said the word. You attract the customers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So tell me about your first. And I'm going to. I, I, and we haven't spoken about this, so this is a question without notice. Your very first dining in-house dining uh, gig. Um, can you describe it? How how it was? What sort of pressure were you feeling? Um, how was it received? What were the lessons from that? All right, so it was the very, very first one. So I I thought, how am I going to carry all this stuff over there? <laughs> um, so I went to Bunnings and bought a little trolley and a few of the black boxes they have because I thought, I don't want to show what's inside, all the oil and spices. It's funny to be neat, nice and, and closed. Even the grocery doesn't... And but I want to put some uh, onions and some fresh stuff on the band. So I got a Vimini like those baskets on the kitchen with some fresh produce on there. And um, but there's a bigger problem. Actually, I don't have a car. You don't have a car. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for the first uh, uh, four months, I've done this with um, 
I would go and grocery shopping with my motorbike and put everything in my backpack, sometimes two, three times back and forth. I know it's incredible. It's crazy. And then I would hire my friend's car and she was nice enough to tell me just top up some money, some uh, just top up the petrol and, you know, it's fine. And just make sure you don't uh, scratch it. So... I load everything in the car. I show up there and like, I have, I can only imagine what I'm expecting, but I don't know what's going to happen. And I had a couple, just two people. So it was pretty simple cooking wise. It was some Valentine uh, day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just rock up with my boxes, my trolley. And, um, and uh, I just started cooking and, the weird thing um, was walking into some stranger's house and just literally start opening all the cupboards and looking for the things you need. Now it's normal. <laughs> I, I walk in, the first thing I do is just open things and people people can people find that a little bit strange because that doesn't doesn't happen often. But for me it's it's normal. Uh, yeah, I just yeah. I just do it, and obviously you've got to be respectful uh, of you know you know you don't want to slam the doors and yeah of course do all this. But um, I'm there to cook, so it's pretty normal that I look for pots and pans. And um, people sometimes cannot relax, so one thing uh, was hard for me, and I still have to remind people. Um, they want to be around, uh, but it's fine to stay there and watch, but they want to be around and do things. I'm like, no, this is your time to relax. Yeah. What do you drink? I asked them, what do you drink? Wine. Okay. Uh, let's have a glass of wine. You see here, we have a chat and, you know, slowly I make them comfortable. So that way I can start cooking. And that night was uh, interesting. I... Uh, one of the things I was cooking did not go as planned. I was doing some uh, uh, go to, uh, no uh, gorgonzola like mini bowls yeah. and frying them. Yeah. I did something wrong in the with the recipe, and as I was putting them in the in the deep fryer, the cheese would literally melt away, and so it would be left with an empty crumb bowl. <laughs> and I thought. Okay, I'm not gonna do this. <laughs> and uh, very early, I learned that you know it's there's no much you can do if you stuff up an ingredient, you drop something, you break something, or and the night I started, you know, you gotta make it work yeah. somehow. Yeah. And every single time, there's something. Every single time. And when every that happens, what, what's what's your process? Just to go through it, do you have to adjust? Do you have to pivot? What do you what do you do? That becomes my job. <laughs> Literally, I need to make it happen every time. Every time there's something, I'm just mentally prepared to it. Um I had the oven not going above 80 degrees and having wow. to cook everything else in pots and pans or a barbecue, invent different ways. Um to uh people just um, you know, when you go in an Airbnb, there's literally nothing. Yeah, that's the kitchen. And I'm like, how am I going to cook this with one pot 
and <laughs> one spoon, literally. So um, all those things to, for example, forgetting one ingredient or, you know, sometimes you forget salt and they don't have salt. <laughs> and a good like, chef needs salt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's just making it work. Uh, there's, yeah, it's a it's a great skill to have uh, that you learn early on in in the kitchen anyway. Because even in in a restaurant environment, that happens all the time. Like yeah. you forgot a dish, and everything is coming out is going to the table, and you forgot one of the dishes, and that thing is still frozen, or that thing still needs five or ten minutes to be cooked or something like that or you finish the sauce and you need to make it in uh, 15 seconds you know and it has to be good that's what i'm telling you fast and good it's sometimes it's crazy i i wanna i would love to to find a way to make to to let people into a kitchen that they're not in anyone's way and see what's it like it's slippery. It's really hot. It's uncomfortable. You have to be fast. You are sweating and having to go in the cool room multiple times. Mm. He, he, every single pan you touch could be cold or could be piping hot coming out of the oven. And so you always have a towel with you. Um, it's it's a very, very, very dangerous environment. And I would especially take those ones that take very lightly the fact that they can leave a one-star review to restaurants. I would definitely take them because when you leave that, then you're like, okay, maybe they deserve a little bit more than one star. Yeah. Maybe sometimes things go wrong, you know, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was that was your first one. What what's the big? Because I know you're doing lots of these every week now. So, um, what's the biggest in-home dining experience you've created? Because what you talk about is not only doing all the ingredients, you do all the preparation, you do, and you do all the cleaning, and it's spotless. Absolutely. My other question is: Do you ever sit down and have the dining experience with them, or once it's done, you go? Uh, I I fed it once because it was a friend of mine, but I can't really sit down. I've got to cook. I, I can sit down at the end. Yeah, okay. I can't sit down in between. If I'm cooking for you because you're my friend and coming over and we having uh, we we just cooking for our families, it's different. But if you're paying me to be there, even if you're my friend, I, I can't just sit down. Yeah. But I sit down at the end. Many times they offer me a drink. So that was a big change in environment from all I described before in the restaurant to walking into a beautiful home, all super sparkling clean, being offered a glass of whiskey or a glass of wine, empty stomach at 6 p.m. and uh, having to cook for just a bunch of people. And as soon as you come, as soon as I walk into a house, you know, they turn on the lights, the chimney, the this, the that, and the music, and people show up. They start having a few drinks, and it's it's just a different environment. People are actually interested in what you're doing. It's yeah. it's so good. It's yeah. it just changed my life completely. But it's it's hard to turning to turn it into a profitable business. 
that you just do that. Yeah. Still, people tell me, oh, you, you're still working there, right? Like, you're not just doing personal chef. Mate, I've been doing only personal chef since um, the last uh, lockdown. Yeah. You know, it's been, it's, it's been a while. Like, it's it's peel it's pretty much foolproof now. <laughs> like <laughs> yes, we've got up and downs, but but yes to sorry to answer your question, like the biggest one we we did um a hundred and twenty, but it's not a plated dinner uh, experience. Um it's more it was more of a buffet and I have to say um one of the things that uh, also fine dining chef um, told me, it's not even sometimes about the food, it's about the experience. And that's what I embrace as well. It's about the experience. Yes, I have to cook really good food, but it's about the experience I give to people. And yeah. where I find that above 25 people, yeah. Um, it's very hard to come across and give all the value that I would usually give. Um, yeah. Being um, entertaining while I prepare the food, um, being able to speak to them about the food, about the recipe, about the ingredients, because I shop locally from small family businesses. All of this stuff, they just don't listen. There are too many especially if, I, if they're drinking a little bit, um, which is totally fine. I'm just saying it takes away from the from the personal chef experience. And it was hard. It was hard. We had to uh, hire a kitchen and then transport all the food there. It, it, we couldn't do it the normal way. So over, yeah. over time, you've, you've worked out your niche and your sweet spot that a certain number of people... Um, what what is the ideal? Because we'll ask soon how people can get in contact with you. What's the ideal um, attendee list, or how many people would be the ideal for you? Uh, from all, from six to fifteen, twenty. Okay. It's the ideal to keep it yeah. small, intimate, and, and just a beautiful night. Yeah, because you touched on another point, which, which I think is really important for all of us irrespective of what sort of sales you're doing, right? <laughs> Excuse me, is the environment you create and how you make people feel. So the impressions you create and the experience. Yes. You and you need to educate the customer on that because they need to know that they, they're expecting that, that, that they're expecting a really good night with a lot more to come that what what it looks like from the invoice. Yeah. <laughs> so mate, three years, three years into doing this, and you've since lockdown, you said you've been pretty much uh doing personal chefing the whole time. Uh what are the plans? How do we how do we grow? What's what's the plans for growth? Is there are you Ooh. gonna duplicate yourself, leveraging yourself? Is it you're gonna do a you've, franchise model? Ilya's personal chefing services. If that's uh, a really big point. Um, so I have thought about it and uh, the two major ways are either become also a lead gen website. Not very interested in that because that's completely a different job. It's an IT job. It's not a chef job at all. Yeah. And there's already some really, really big competition. Um, not very interested in that. And uh, I've got 
um, um, an employee that helps me uh, now do all the event organization event, the, the, the dinners, and she covers all the dinners that I cannot take. And so I got booked and then she gets booked. Um, and uh, it's very likely that people want me to be in two places on one Saturday night and I cannot do that. <laughs> I would be interested, but no. Um, and um, uh, sorry, uh, the uh, I, I, I've I probably, yeah, I got a notification, got a little bit distracted. I missed the point. <laughs> The, the 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 problem of uh, doing this uh, with my with my iPhone and not putting it on <laughs> don't disturb. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So the the thing is, I it clicked only a few weeks ago again, um, and I thought. I, I was looking, my, my girlfriend took me out because that's what happened when you have a company, you forget to take your girlfriend out. So she, <laughs> she just took the initiative. She said, you know, I bought tickets, we're going there. Ah, okay. Um, and I saw these magicians and it was a really beautiful show, a really beautiful night. And then for some reason, I started thinking about them and singers. And I thought, how do singers scale the business like if you and me pay to see acdc um <laughs> and we show up and there's a local band playing acdc we're not happy yeah. <laughs> we're not happy <laughs> you want to see acdc that's it yeah so it's the same thing like how can i do that where people want elia but I, someone else rocks up it's very hard so you need to be build a sub-brand where people clearly know it's not Elia coming. Uh, it's very, very hard, and I'm trying to do that. But going back to the singer, how does a singer do that? A singer still cannot build a sub-brand and say, oh, it's still me, but someone else is singing. It just doesn't work. So I thought the way they scale is they become more famous. They get more exposed. They do partnerships with other singers. They do songs together. They do. So I thought I'm gonna have to do that exactly that. So I've uh, it, the business took a turn a few months ago. It's been very hard since uh, things the economy changed, the situation overall changed in Australia, and I found myself to stop and say, okay which is the direction and, and I'm more interested into this one this last one at the moment so um, I'm finding ways to invest in uh, PR for example and um, I'm exposing myself to cooking shows I found someone that uh, uh, sells uh, oven imported from Italy and uh, they're interested in having me at exposed and so being on a stage being comfortable with speaking to people with a microphone i've done it already a few times yeah. and that's that's just the way i wanna i wanna do it that's yeah. the way i think i can scale what i do uh, I, and that's why it's everything is called elia donat even yeah. my brand of coffee my brand of homemade pasta they're all pasta by elia donati uh, ribano coffee 
by Elia Donaki because uh-huh. it has to be has to be me. Otherwise, it does. I don't have a difference a differentiation anymore. Absolutely, mate. As 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 we wrap up, you also mentioned before we jumped on, you're you're building a course, an online course that's about to um about to be put together and hopefully launched to the to the marketplace. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, <clears throat> when you have uh, a business and you find yourself with um, time, even on a Monday, um, and you don't have to follow a schedule or a roster anymore, then uh, you start making, letting your brain think, actually. And uh, you think, okay, well, how can I actually help someone? But like, help because I help you throw the best dinner party, but that's not the help I'm talking yeah. about. Some people need um, more of a help situation, such as families. For example, I find that some struggle with either a budget. They don't have a big budget, so they want to be able to cook well, but with a small budget. Some uh, just don't have the confidence to cook I helped a family a few weeks ago. The mom got into an accident. She's fine. Um, and the dad found himself uh, having to take care of a lot more things within the family. She couldn't work for a while. She's fine now. Um, and uh, he said, can you come with me? Can we go do some shopping and uh, we, we cook some stuff together? And we did that, exactly that. And... Uh, and now he's posting all this food that he's cooking after being with him only one night. And I thought, you know what? I think what he actually needed was to allow himself to do it for his own family. Sounds silly, but it's not. Um, mm. He just needed to allow himself to make a mistake, to try to do it uh, without being judged. Um, so some people might need that. Some people might need um be more of a cooking side oh i don't cook at all i've only got one pot in the whole and kitchen one spoon. And, a, and one spoon <laughs> and uh, i don't have running water no i'm joking but um uh, they don't i don't have anything um or some people they do that very well but they don't engage with the kids for example they yeah. don't they they just become kids slave i i don't want to go too much in there because again i want to be genuine i don't have kids i don't have a family and i cannot go out there and tell parents how to do it because i have never done it so i want to stay stick with what i know and what i know is that i've had that when i was a kid and the best bonding moment of an entire day was dinner together at the table it was easier didn't have smartphones we had the tv but usually was in the background or switched off and and i want to recreate that and i want to help people recreate that because there's a lot of value in building a family and and actually enjoying the family the the company listening to the kids saying things creating an, an environment when they feel like they can share you know and i think in this frenetic life dinner is probably the best time because yeah. at the end of the day you've done all your tasks you can relax and so i want to recreate that and i'm i'm building 
this course that could be one-on-one -on -one for local people or uh, over Zoom uh, for more, more attention to details or otherwise a more uh, generalized, but still very specific one in in uh, in an, as an online course. So right. yeah, that's the idea behind it. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, for people who want to know a little bit about, about you and what you do, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Given that yes, you're on I'm very, socials? I'm very active on Instagram um, because um, I find it's the best way uh, to come across with the food stuff. Yeah. Um, so how, they, Instagram, how do they find you on Instagram? Sure. Um, <clears throat> so it's Elia Donati, E-L-I-A-D-O-N-A-T-I. And uh, the same for the website, eliadonati.com. But we can put some, I can send you some links. So it's a little bit easier. But once someone lands either on the website or on the Instagram page, then there's links to everything and you can literally see everything of me and the business from there. There's, we've got, we're almost at 350 five-star Google reviews. Nice. <laughs> and what's the, what's the goal for the 2023 at the end of 2023? Is it like a thousand five hundred? Hopefully not 351. Uh, I'll be happy to, to go with a hundred each year. Okay. But, um i think yeah we could probably uh, smash that pretty soon yeah nice and mate if there's if there's one piece of advice because there'll be people listening to this that um hey they might have an interest in in cooking they might just have an interest in how do i get better at what i do so i've got to make phone calls i've got to reach out to the marketplace i've got to try and find something that's unique about me so that my marketplace is going to want to listen to me and give me the opportunity of providing service to them Based on your experience, um, what's one piece of advice you'd like to give either yourself, um, if you had the time left over, uh, go over again, or somebody's listened to this right now who may be just struggling a little bit in their own in their own role? Yes, it, it, it is just that. Just uh, be yourself because um, you think you have to attract a certain type of person but it's uh, it's sometimes our brain plays tricks on us and actually you be yourself and you make sure you you pass on as much value as you can and people will start showing up mm. maybe not the people that you were expecting but new people <laughs> new new things and that's um, I'm pretty sure what actually needs to happen to you. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's all written in, yeah, in the scriptures. It, it, it was with me. It was with me. I had to change my friendships. My Nothing wrong with my ex-friends. But they just weren't taking me where I wanted to go. And be very clear with where you want to go. Yeah. And just respect yourself and respect your time. Respect your time. Like, don't wake up and laze around. Our brain is very active in the morning. Use it. Use yeah. it in the morning. Go, go to the gym. 
do something, do 10 minutes meditation, and then do the hardest tasks of the day. You know, you have to make a spreadsheet and it's really hard. Do it in the morning, not at 5 p.m. You will not be able to even change the name of the sheet. <laughs> <laughs> That's good advice. Good advice. Hey, mate, this has been a, um, a fun, a fantastic conversation. Really enjoyed that. And um, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. And we wish you all the very best in your um, Ilya Donati personal chef uh, mega, uh, what do we call it? Mega enterprise. It's going to get bigger than Ben Hur. Thank you. Thank you for the confidence. And, <laughs> and I really appreciate uh, being here and chatting with you. It, it has been a really good, a really, really good chat. I, I hope I've provided uh, some value as well as my story. Most definitely. Most definitely. Greatly appreciate, it, mate. Have a uh, have a fantastic weekend because I know you've got some gigs that that are coming up. You need to get prepared for. So, great, mm -hmm. greatly appreciate, it, and we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Cheers Bye. Me. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.